Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and today I can say we are thrilled to be joined by Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers. You guys can probably guess what we're going to talk about, but Alex, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about just the Blazers in general, just get a get a feel for what's going on over in Portland. What's the deal with Dame Lillard? What's the deal with Yusuf Nurkic? What's the deal with Anthony Simons? But most importantly, what is the deal with pick number seven? And we'll, of course, get into at least one or two mock trades of how the Knicks could potentially acquire said pick seven. So you don't want to miss out. We'll get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily. New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where you can see our smiling faces and you can see the smiling face of our guest, Mike Richmond. Cool, cool background for Mike. A lot of art. I think I saw very weird, uh, but interesting Bill Walton painting on his wall. Um, but who's joining Mike? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster at a whole bunch of places covering a whole bunch of different sports. You guys get the gist. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the world. You can check them out on social media at the Strick.land. I will not delay the inevitable any longer. Let's get into everything Portland with Mike Richmond. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And as promised, we are joined by the fantastic Mike Richmond of the Locked on Blazers podcast. And Mike, I want to just start as macro as possible with you what, what is going on in portland man we've we've talked about it in our pod like a little bit just around the rumors that the blazers might be willing to trade this seventh pick but it seems like a team kind of caught between two identities because you, you still have i mean arguably the greatest player in franchise history in damian lillard obviously he wants to win in a real way but then you have anthony simons you have this team that essentially tanked down the stretch you have that top 10 pick What is the identity of this team and what are they striving for at this point? Uh, Well, what are they striving for and what their identity is are two different things. What they're striving for is they want to be good. Like they want to be competitive. Dame's going to be like he's under contract for three more seasons. I believe he is going to sign a max contract extension when he's eligible in July, which means he'll be under contract for five more years at, you know, another hundred another 200 million dollars coming his way paid through his 35th birthday like all the stuff like i think dame's going to be a long-term commitment here and if that's what they're going to do they want to be good with him and he has put some real pressure on them to like try to get good but they don't have very many good players like the roster is bad so that's hard those are two hard things to square because like you um you know you guys cover the knicks it's hard to be good when you don't have a lot of good players um so (laughs) They're they're caught in this strange place where they want to be competitive and they're going to be aggressive to be competitive, but they are not. They're like several steps away, and one of those steps is whatever they do with the seventh pick in the draft. Yeah. So this is. I, I mean, I was going to ask what 
the general situation is with Dame because it seemed like that was teetering on the brink of collapse, like this time last year. Yeah, last and- last whatever July, he was like, I haven't made up my mind what my future will be, and that was mm-hmm. kind of the first time we'd ever heard him say that. Which everybody hears that loudly when someone like Dame says it. Yeah, which it has probably kind of put the the Blazers' feet to the flames a little more, and then. You know, you've got you make the move to to offload CJ McCollum, which then gets you this this top ten pick that you have here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So this is the, this is their own pick. The pick oh, they got from CJ pick. is a 2025 first from the Bucks, which is like so outrageous. But. Yeah, that is that is far away. So yeah, I mean, it's just like there's there's a lot to sort of uh, parse through. I guess what do you think their motivations are with that seventh pick? Like are is your feeling right now that they're trying to use the pick to get better immediately with, I mean, honestly, a draft that we've been talking about a lot is pretty flat after about pick five and really has a lot of guys that look like they could step in and contribute at an NBA level. Or do you think that they're more going to try to dangle that pick to get, say, I don't know, a secondary star like a Julius Randle or something? Yeah, like a a tall guy who's lived in two major American cities and also New Orleans. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, they're going to trade the pick. All of the reporting suggests that they're going to trade the pick. Uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic, uh, great Trailblazers beat writer. Uh, John Hollinger of The Athletic. Uh, Mark Stein also thinks they're like everybody who's plugged in thinks the Blazers are trading this pick. Um, and they're going to, it just kind of depends on what they trade it for. Do they trade back and try to get a, a vet and a draft pick in the teens? Or do they swing for a bigger, brighter rounder power forward that uh you know is super left-handed <laughs> i mean it sounds like someone i know i don't know um i mean i guess I'll, I'll i'll ask you you know out of curiosity what do you think what do you think of julius randall quite frankly i mean just on a on a personal level like i i think there's something maybe to be said you know as someone who has now watched him for a couple of years i think maybe a humbling would be good for him in many ways, and he might actually reclaim some, like some combo of the the really good things that he showed in New Orleans and the really good things that he showed with the Knicks. If he could just be thrust into an environment where he's obviously not the number one, uh, which would obviously be the case in you know Portland, where like Dame is, he's the alpha and the omega there. Like, there's no way that Julius Randle can walk into that locker room and be like. I'm the man here. Like there's no, you're number two period. Like that's how it's going to go. You're going to run some pick and roll with Dame. You're going to, you know, hit some open threes or whatever. Hopefully you're going to dive to the rim more like you used to, you know, but also if you, if we need you to get a bucket, you still have that ability that you really, you know, honed and perfected with the Knicks. Like, I don't know. I guess that's probably kind of like my elevator pitch, but I, I would assume that he is one of the names that is sort of, floated a little bit uh you know uh, around the blazers uh, as far as a star type player that might be available so like what are your thoughts on him right now going into the the draft season here with that number seven pick equipped well it's funny because uh i was a little worried that when i was getting ready for this that i'm kind of not a julius randall guy and i was like oh man i'm gonna go on this the knicks podcast i'm gonna go on locked on knicks and i'm gonna be like eh, not so. but then i remember you, you like, can't say anything worse than what we've said yeah like yeah. I remember that he's yeah. he's had a, he's had some beef this year with the fan base with um you know he's he's given us the, the thumbs down to the great uh, he's given us different people in New York too. City yeah, yeah. uh so I, I don't really I'm not a big Julius Randall guy like I think 
he was really fun two years ago, like legitimately very fun, a revelation in that first year. But he also probably shot better than three than he's capable of. He just was like, he was on a heater for eight months. Um, and and some of that might be just like, he played with Derrick Rose and he got a little more space. And then he didn't have like a legitimate point guard with all due respect to Manuel quickly. Uh, and like, he was worse. But I think he just needs the ball in his hands. He's such a high usage guy. He's a really good passer, but he wants to like, he wants the floor to bend to him before he makes those good passes. He's not like a natural ball mover. I think he's a weird fit with Dame because Dame hates playing off the ball. They tried it several seasons to get him someone that could let him get off the ball. He hates it. So it just seems like an awkward fit. Um, that said, Julius Randle will be the Blazers' second best player of the day. He's like, if he were to come here, he'd be the second best player. Like, they need talent desperately. As I joked at the beginning of the show, he would be a massive talent upgrade. What do you, what do you think Dame wants at this point? I think before we go into like more specifics on the trade sure. for the seventh pick, it's almost worth establishing that because I mean, to Alec, what Alex said, what you noted, Mike, like last summer, it seemed like he, he just went into as much as I love Portland, as much as I love being the guy in Portland, I want to win a championship before my career is over. Or I want to get a credible opportunity at a championship. Right. Maybe you disagree with this. I always felt there was a ceiling on him and CJ as a duo. And, and maybe, maybe not with the right team. It's maybe there's a ceiling on a team with Dame as its best player. But even that aside, to your point, like Portland's supporting cast has probably never been worse than it currently is in right. like the vast majority of the Damian Lillard era. And he's presumably not getting better as a player at this point as he heads into his mid thirties. So how does this end in a way where all parties are happy? Is he content just getting paid a lot of money, scoring a ton of points and being the guy in Portland, or even if he signs a contract extension, do you think this inevitably hits a new breaking point? And he says, wait, all of a sudden I actually do want to win trade me somewhere else. Now that I've, I've gotten my back. I think that the executive getting fired last fall is an indicator that Damian Lillard won whatever that means he won he didn't want to be here in july when we got to december the the lead decision maker got fired dame's still here and he's going to the draft lottery to me that signals that i like i don't know what one means that's why i'm not like being specific but to me my read on it is that there was some beef and they chose dame because why wouldn't you um i don't think it's that simple like, I, I think there was more going on with the executive stuff, but I, I think Dame still being here when the decision makers are gone suggests that he will be here into the future. Obviously, there's a place down the line two, three years from now where he's like, uh, well, I'm 35. This sucks. I want out. But I think for the next three seasons, you're you, there's some comfort here just because of the way last season played out, the way that he's been so vocal about, you know, it's like a, almost a meme that every time Dame does a national interview, he has to talk about loyalty. It drives me insane, but there's some truth to it. Uh, there's some truth to it that he is like pretty loyal. And one of the ways that you show your loyalty is give him a hundred million dollars. That will really help everyone feel um, very more loyal. Connected. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think he, he wants a credible shot. Like I think that's a good way to explain it. He wants a credible shot. And so now you get to this stage and we can talk about the specifics where 
a credible shot probably looks like adding veteran help around him. They haven't had a good forward core. They've had a really bad forward core. They have a really similar thing going with Damon Anthony Simons that they had with Damon C.J. McCollum. In fact, some would say the same thing going. So what they need to do is they need to get better forwards. And so that's why when they have the seventh pick and there is a certain forward available, it's, it, is a, it is a realistic opportunity. And just because I don't like it doesn't mean that Damon Lord, who has certainly has a big influence on the roster and, and the, you know, Joe Crone and the Portland front office don't aren't considering the real possibility of making a deal with the Knicks. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break with Mike. When we come back, we're going to talk Anthony Simons. Is there any chance that Simons could actually be the Knicks target at point guard this offseason? The latest on the use of Nurkic situation and so much more. But first, I got to tell you guys how you can make a little bank watching this podcast. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award winning app. Prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And we know you will too. All you have to do is pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks offer safe and fast withdrawals. It's an award winning app that you can use on both the App Store and Google Play. They offer all the props you can think of points scored, rebounds, even steals. They also allow mixed sport entries. So maybe you could. Throw some money down on Aaron Judge home runs versus Chris Kreider goals, uh, two of my New York sports heroes who are doing just great as of late. And they don't just offer NBA. They offer college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, so much more. So for limited times, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free. If a player in your first PrizePix entry scores just a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code MBA for $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. I, here's, here's something interesting because you, you mentioned Simons and the fact that they have a pretty similar, if not almost exactly the same thing going with him that they had with McCollum, which is probably why they felt inclined to say, you know what, let's get what we can for CJ McCollum right, right. now when he's probably at his highest value that he'll ever be as he hits, you know, the decline of his career in all likelihood. It Simons is probably going to get paid a decent amount of money yes. uh, this coming off season. And, you know, looking at, I was actually really surprised when I just looked at the, at the cap sheet for the Blazers, because like they actually have a pretty decent amount of cap space this coming off. They season. could, they're probably unlikely to be a cap team, but they mm -hmm. could have cap space because to, to have cap space, they got to renounce Nurk and Joe Ingles and a couple of their other free agents. And then they would lose their, they have a big traded player exception. They got from CJ McCollum, which is in part how they would get Julius Randall on the cheap. Uh, and so if they, but if they become a cap space team, it gets harder to make all of the to, to to have all the tools they need to get better. So they have some flexibility, but I don't think they're. It's very unlikely that they end up as like a big cap space team. Although they could clear thirty five million bucks relatively easily. Yeah, that's that's the impression I'm getting looking at their cap sheet. Is like you know you'd have to make some pieces go around. I guess I guess what I'm trying to get towards is there's there's two major free agents on the team this this coming off season. There's Simons and there's Nurkic. I was actually going to start with Simons, but we'll save him for a minute. Like. I'm really curious about Nurkic because he's, I think, one of the guys that seemed more so than Dame to be pretty unhappy with the situation, at least based off some of the reporting that I've read. Like, he seems like he's basically fed up at this point. So, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's been, I, I think, pretty underpaid 
for a while now, right? Like he was making, he signed like a four for 48. Uh, yeah. he came off, he hit free agency off kind of a down year and he signed four for 48. He has probably outperformed that. He's probably availability is a big thing with Nurk. Obviously mm-hmm. in 2019, he got hurt and then missed an entire year. So you could say like the freebie, the freebie 12 million bucks he got for not playing for an entire year kind of makes the whole thing not worth it, but not worth it. But he was, he's probably, he probably this season outperformed his contract. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, you know, where does that stand? Like, do you think that he's gone? Like how much does that, how much harder does that make life for the Blazers if he walks and you don't get anything for him? Because you're just talking about a talent efficiency. Like he's been one of the most consistently good player when healthy, you know, big caveat, but I mean, when he's been healthy, he's been a great performer for them. I think every time I've watched him, I've always come away impressed. And, you know, I, I feel like if they lose him, that's, a huge step backwards. Like, what do you, do you think that there's also a world maybe where, you know, I mean, this is another, a whole different thing, but like the, the Knicks have a, a free agent, big man of their own, you know, do you think that, that Portland might be in the market for a big man this coming off season as well? If Nurk walks, which seems to sort of be where things are leaning, at least to me from my outside perspective. So the only reason that I think Nurk is is like the, that the cards are pointing the other direction for Nurk is that he agreed to not play the final 25 games of the year. Like they shut him down. And if he was really entering free agency, um, you know, he had he had plantar fasciitis that he had reportedly been dealing with since September. But it came up when like they shut everyone down for the after the All-Star break. Like and I have I hate the S word, but people have told me that Nurk was fine. Um, so. I don't want to question people's body, but I, I haven't, I have heard pretty, pretty, pretty clearly that Nurk was fine. He could have played. Uh, and, and it's hard to convince a guy like Nurk who durability has been a big thing to sit out the final 24 games of the regular season entering free agency. If you don't have some kind of wink, wink deal going on, I mean, teams don't tamper. That's never happened. They would never uh, agree to terms beforehand. Like you guys know that just like, it's not how the league works, but I think I, I have a hard time believing that there isn't an understanding that they're going to pay Nurk and Nurk's happy to get paid just because of the way his season ended. All right. Um, moving on then to Anthony Simons. Uh, there is a fixation um, with the New York Knicks rightfully on Jalen Brunson as the dude that they have to get at point guard this offseason. And the, the pivotal difference, obviously, between um, him and Simons is that he is unrestricted. Simons is restricted. So the only way I can phrase this is, is Simons, who was, was just, at least offensively, I, I can't speak to his defense, was at least spectacular down the stretch of the season. If I'm yep. remembering correctly, like just flat out one of the best three-point shooters in basketball, I mean, especially off the dribble down the stretch yep. of the season and uh, very young because he came into the NBA at like 19, uh, again, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, is there a number that would be too hot for Portland to bring back Anthony Simons or is there no world where they're letting that kind of talent go? Because to your point, I mean, like whatever, however problematic the Dame CJ dynamic is, it, it's better than Dame and uh, I, I don't fill in like random bench. Josh, like, Josh, LRB, Hart, yeah, LRB. Yeah. Whatever, whoever you want to say in there. Um, so is, is it a sure thing? I guess that Anthony Simons is back on the Blazers, no matter what ridiculous offer another team throws his way. I think there's probably a number. Like, I think his max number is 119. So it would be four for 119 from another team. That's probably too high for them. But, like, are the Pistons going to offer Ant over DeAndre Ayton? 
Like, are we kidding? Like, if you're choosing which guy to give the max to, is Amphrey Simon's going to get that over DeAndre Ayton? Or even like Miles Bridges, another restricted free agent on the market. Like, I think those dudes are just straight up, have just so much more production that like, if a team is going to throw max cap space at someone, it's going to be those two gentlemen. I think Ant comes back. I think like four for 90 is pretty much in his range. I think four for 100, if his agent really squeezes the Blazers, is definitely in the range. Uh, but I think they're going to pay him because you, if you trade CJ and you do all these things, and then you lose and then you cheap out on ants um then dame leaves like then he leaves um so i i think part of the plan was clear the books resign ant probably resign nurk unless you find a, a sign and trade and then build with your parts your other tools when you as an over the cap team and those other tools are this draft pick they can trade and a big traded player exception to absorb a big contract and and some and some flexibility down the line to like have a Julius Randle on the roster making $25 million a year and say like, we don't have other bad money on the book so we can afford it. All right. We'll be back with the moment of truth, which you've all been waiting for where I pitch Mike a trade for the seventh pick as well as he pitches a trade back to us. So it, and then starts a really intriguing conversation on Julius Randle and what sort of fit he could be for the Portland trailblazers. But First, I got to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. And you guys know what time of year it is. It's time to work on your car. You know, you want to do it. We just had that little heat wave over the weekend. You don't want to be doing it out in like 100 degree heat like that. So while we're getting this nice sort of spring weather that's coming back in, get some parts for your car. Get that get that project you've been trying to get done done so that it's done for the summer. You know, especially if it's your air conditioning. I got to do that myself. I'm, I'm very much behind on fixing that. But, you know, when you do that, you don't want to go to a brick and mortar auto parts store because you go there. They never have the parts you need. They say they're going to order it for you. You get the price sheet. You're like, Ugh, is that what that costs? And then you're like doing the math in your head like, oh, crap, should I just go to the mechanic? And you say, no, you know what? I want to do something. I want to do this myself. So you order it. And then they say, OK, come back in a few days to our store. And I'm like, Ugh. so now I don't get to do my project today. And I got to drive back to your store and I got to pay out the butt for this thing. Not a fun combo. That's where rockauto.com comes in. You could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or in some cases, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or ugh, a car dealership? Never buy parts from a car dealership. For example, the Honda Odyssey, uh, you know, you're fixing the family van. That has a fuel pump for $353 from a chain store, just $216 from rockauto.com. All, you know, original parts that slot right in your car and they're not going to upcharge you on anything or try to upsell you in any sort of way. So if you want to go to rockauto.com right now, check and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pull the trigger on something right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Okay. Well you brought the, you brought it back to Julius Randall. I'm just going to ask the question point blank period that I'm sure that everybody listening to our show right now wants to know the answer to. Uh, and, and, you know, you could say this purely from, from your perspective, you can throw in like, uh, you know, if, if the S words have said anything uh, to you, or if you have any general idea, but let's just say a deal is offered. It is more or less Julius Randall, for the seventh pick and let's say that the Knicks also say we'll take Eric Bledsoe and the it, he, I can see he's got a partially guaranteed deal I don't know how much of that is guaranteed or whatever but like they say like we'll take him 
and take on the onus of waiving him and eating whatever money he's owed. Uh, is that a deal that the Blazers seriously look at or do they kind of like laugh and hang up the phone and say, nah, come back when you, you're willing to include at least like a young player or something or like your 11th pick or whatever? Like what's your what's your general read on a deal like that? My read is that they will, would absolutely consider it because they want veteran help and 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 Julius Randle, like I said, would be the second best player on their basketball team. Um, Blazer fans are going to hear that and like really mad that I disrespected Nurk and Ant. And I'm sorry, y'all, but it's I don't even like Julius Randle, and I think that's true. Uh, <laughs> but um, like, I think they would consider it. I think they would consider it because I think they're going to. I think they are going to move that pick for some flavor of veteran help. Uh, whatever that might be. The big name that they've been linked to is Jeremy Grant. Do I think trading the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle is a good idea? I Hell no, I do not. (laughs) But I I am not uh, someone about to celebrate my 32nd birthday in July with a real obsession with winning a championship and a great deal of power in the Blazers organization. That's another dude. Uh, I'm just a podcast host who's like, you know, reads the cap sheet. Uh, I, I... I think, well, let me, let me turn this back on you. Let me ask you, would the Knicks, would the Knicks, are the Knicks so willing in your view to get out from under Julius Randle and kind of start the next era that they would say 11 and Julius Randle for seven and like the 36 pick in the draft and we'll see what happens. Like, is that a realistic pitch back to the Knicks as a counteroffer? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a, Alex, let me know if you concur on this. It would be a situation of, of who's available at seven. And I think that would be a draft night type decision. Like, is is a shade and sharp someone that the Knicks just see with all their Kentucky connections and say we're, we're pretty sure this guy is going to be a star. We know he's not going to make it to eleven. Let's take that swing because I think there is a general willingness to move off of Julius Randle. We had Mark Berman of the New York Post on last week and he was talking about how Obi Toppin really opened some eyes with his play down the stretch last season and that created this notion within the organization that hey we might have a really good power forward here uh, for whatever Julius brought a season ago. There is a lot of uh, problematic off the court stuff. There's a whole lot of problematic on the court stuff last season. Uh, we can maybe get rid of this headache and and actually turn him into a positive asset. You mentioned John Hollinger earlier. He put out the notion a little while ago that that Julius was was flat out uh, no qualifiers, a negative asset at this point. That, that that there's been other people who have said similar things. Alex and I have kind of pushed against that, and we're both of the mind like it only takes one team. And and, and there are still teams who see him as the guy who made second team All NBA a year ago. And just don't really have another pathway to acquiring anyone who's been in that conversation in recent memory. So I do think he's an asset. I do think he's one the Knicks are willing to move off of. The question of whether they'd include 11 versus like the future Dallas pick or some lesser asset. I, I think the dream for the Knicks would be that they could somehow end up with 7 and 11, maybe package those to move up even further in the draft. Because I don't know if they want to take two rookies. But Alex, I'll throw that your way because I don't even think that's a scenario we've discussed where they'd potentially end up with the 7th and the 11th pick. Just because the, the idea of just trading Julius Randle straight up for a top 10 pick is, is kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm mostly with you. I, I think that if and and I mean this is completely, you know, no sourcing, no intel of any sort. But like my general thought would be that they would probably try to go like Julius Dallas pick for number seven, especially if you know if if they could also say to Portland like Yo, we'll take like I said like you know oh we'll take back Eric Bledsoe and just save you guys right. the money. You know, whatever, like do a little favor for you here or there. Maybe even just say, hold on to that that 36 pick as well, and we'll give you this Dallas pick because it's going to be like 20-somethingth pick. Um, right. You know, so you can have that. That's cool. Uh, I think that would be their ideal. I don't think they would hang up the phone. 
depending on like Gavin said, who's there at number seven. Like, I think there's a world where maybe they fall in love with, even if it's not Shaden Sharp, who I think will probably go in the top five. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe a Jaden Ivy falls and maybe they're super in love with him, which they should be. Cause he's like perfect for the team. Uh, or maybe it's like Keegan Murray, like maybe Keegan Murray falls. And then they're like, look, this is a, a seamless fit. This dude will come right in and be able to do, you know, at least some of the stuff that Julius was doing and, and be much younger and, you know, more malleable, less likely to sort of hijack things. And we can also elevate Obi over him and have him back up Obi instead of vice versa. Uh, and, you know, let Obi kind of take over as the new starting power forward. Um, I think, I think they would prefer, like Gavin said, to, to hold on to both those picks and then maybe even try to package those one more time and move up and see if they can maybe get like Detroit to sway or something and, and, you know, let them get like a shade and sharp. Cause I get the feeling they would really love to go for him. Uh, but I don't think you're getting a Jaden Ivy or Shaden Sharp without getting inside the top five because that seems to be like the more or less consensus top five right now. They might also just love staying at pick seven. Like I have a favorite in the draft, uh, Dyson Daniels, who's uh, I'm seeing a lot of stories about how he's generating top 10 buzz now. Uh, as Gavin mentioned, we talked to Mark Berman last week and, you know, he said that the Knicks, you know, talked to him and the Dyson was speaking pretty highly of how the Knicks representatives were talking to him about their potential interest levels. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of blown away by the fact that you weren't like, ha ha ha, screw you. <laughs> like hang up the phone. Well, to that I wouldn't do it. Like I, I yeah. hate it. I'm yes. saying the Blazers, but might. the Blazers even, you know, like even just trying to project what the Blazers would do. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I think the Knicks would be, they would really be trying to get something else back in that deal. Yeah. Maybe it's they even just saying like, okay, like, We'll do 11 and Julius if we get seven. What was it? Pick 36? Yeah, 36. 736 and Keon Johnson, maybe. Like, just right. give us another ball, Clay. Give us another something to play with here, you sure. know? Like, the guy who's two years away from being two years away. We'll take him and we'll see what we can do. Um, you know, maybe it's something like that. I don't know. But I do think there's a world where they would entertain it. I also think that there's a world where potentially the Knicks front office is still looking at him like, no, I think we could still milk more value out of him. And just like the situation with Dame, the situation with Julius is kind of confusing too because like we were thinking, oh, it seems like Julius is on the outs. He like pouted after the Knicks young players had a big comeback in one game against the Bulls, which was really bizarre and like stormed off the court, even though his team just won a big comeback game. And, you know, we thought like, oh, this must be it. And then he was sitting courtside with, you know, Worldwide West and uh, whoever else showed up to the the Dallas and Utah game. And it was like, Oh, all right. Is he like recruiting with them right now? Like what the hell is going on here? So I don't know. It's a tough situation to read. So I, I don't know if the Knicks still view his value one way or the other, uh, but again, if it was me, I would jump all over that deal. Even if it was just a swap and you just get like another second round pick or something. Cause then they could use their second round pick of that blazer second round pick and potentially trade back into the first round, maybe to their magical spot of 25 at which they turn into just great rotation players every yeah, single but they year. They always now. find a rotation player yeah. at that spot. They, yeah. They're great at the 25th pick. So I would definitely like that deal that you said, I would definitely consider it very strongly. So I guess uh for if I if I can hijack this again, Please. what what has in your eyes from second team all NBA Julius Randle, like what what other than he shot 20% worse from three. What really changed from the guy who was one of the, you know, 25 best players in the league to whatever he was this year? 
It was right yeah. here. <laughs> Alex, I'll, I'll leave that to Alex to talk about. I'll, I'll say purely from an on-court sense, I think the context shifted a little bit in that um, Kemba Walker was added to the team. Evan Fournier was added to the team. RJ Barrett was ready to take a step forward. And I think Julius thrives when there's zero ambiguity to his role. And it's just very direct. And it's like, hey, man, it's your show. Go to work. And where he was sort of magical, I mean, it, it was number one, it was the shot making, right? Like three point shooting way beyond anything he'd done his career. Even more than that, it just seemed like he was automatic on these super tough turnaround fadeaways. Like he, he looked like honestly, like his, his, his initial mentor when he came into the NBA, Kobe Bryant at times working in the mid post, working from the elbows. And it was that combined with like a little bit of the power game that defined the early parts of his career. But even that wasn't all that present last year. And the shot fell off. And even more than or along with the shot falling off last year, it felt like he just knew where everyone was on the court at all times. And he could dictate the action by playing bully ball, drawing a double team, and then throwing like a no look hook pass across the court on the dime to Reggie Bullock on the opposite wing. Because that's what Reggie Bullock did, right? He sat on the wing, but then he's playing with all these guys this year that wanted their own offense, wanted their own roles. And it wasn't quite as clean. His role wasn't quite as defined. And it was almost like he like, he, he is kind of a robotic basketball player to some extent. And it's almost like he malfunctioned and, and didn't know where those pre-assigned reads were anymore. And a lot of his passing went away. And then his effort, and Alex, I'll, I'll throw this to you to, to rant about or, or maybe just be very brief about because he spent enough time on it. His effort just fell off a cliff. And there were just so many times like you would just see him screaming at a ref instead of running back on defense or, or just look disinterested when other guys were going off. And he just, he frankly, wasn't, wasn't a very good team player this season. I think you can boil it all down at least to ha- to the between the ears stuff, which I think is definitely the biggest the biggest thing. Because look, it, you know, for most players, if the new foul rules at the beginning of the year were affecting your play, or if having crowds back was affecting how you were shooting, or you know, whatever, you adjust and you and you you make those things better, you know. And, and that's how you know that's how the, the great players sort of like we saw, for example, a, a much hated player. To us, Trey Young, you know, like he started off the year really struggling thanks to the new officiating and stuff. And then he figured it out and he finished the year really good and looked really good still. Um, Julius never really did that. I think you could boil it down to like one thing that he said, and it was in the very first game of the season. He's coming off a all NBA second team, uh, you know, performance and, you know, leading the Knicks back to the playoffs the year prior. Every person in New York loved him to death and was super excited for this coming season. And in the first game of the season, he's making buckets down the stretch of a 2 OT game against the Celtics. And the first thing that he thinks of to do is like start screaming at the crowd and to nobody in particular, I want my respect. And it's just like that sort of felt like what this whole year was. Like he thought, I've made a leap to, uh, you know, the, the upper echelon, the top, 10 to 15 players in the NBA, thanks to being a second team all NBA guy last year. So why am I not being treated like one, Uh, whether it's on my own team or, you know, by the officials or what have you, like he just, the whole year seemed like he just had this chip on his shoulder that essentially boiled down to, I was so good last year. So therefore I've earned this and like, I've essentially paid my dues and that just led to him not, like he, as Gavin said, was mailing it in on defense a lot. You know, I mean, there was like at least three, four instances of every game where you could see him not making a read, not making a rotation that was 
literally all he would have had to do is just stay somewhat alert and he could have made it, but he kind of just decided not to play on that end for stretches of this year. Um, you know, he off the court, you know, there was uh, the, you know, telling fans like, uh, you know, say, oh, what did the thumbs down mean to the fans? Oh, it meant F you to the fans. It's like, that's very candid and very, you know, what? just because they were booing you because the team was doing terrible and then you guys turned it around, then they cheered for you. Go figure. Like, that's how these things <laughs> that's, work. That's like, New York, man. Exactly. That's every team. That's every team. My God, like the the any any team's fans will boo their team if they come out and they're dogging it you know it's like that's not exclusive to new york and you know i don't know i just think i think it all boiled down to he things just sort of went downhill and then mentally you know i don't want to speak to like try to be an amateur sports psychologist i said this all year but like something was clearly off i don't want to speculate as to what it was but like something was off with him this year and, and it had to do a lot with his relationship with the fans, I think. Um, and just adjusting to having fans back in the building, I guess. And like having to be held accountable on an off shooting night or something. It also doesn't really help that Obi is like the most loved player on the team. And so if Randall was dogging it a little bit, fans would immediately start chanting, Obi, Obi, you know, like trying to get Obi on the floor. Um, I, I get the feeling that probably didn't rub him the right way as well. It was just a lot of different factors, but I do think, again, I think a lot of it came down to, he thought I should be the man on this team. And then especially like down the stretch too, once RJ Barrett kind of started getting slotted into that role more than him, I think that rubbed in the wrong way. I, that's why I do think though, that there is a chance that maybe something could work on a team like the Blazers with a defined number one, because I think there's no way that he could walk into that situation and say, no, you're wrong. Damian Lillard should not be the number one. I should be the number one. And maybe then you can talk him back into like, Julius, you're a big guy. Like, why don't you go back to doing what you did in New Orleans and being like a 92nd percentile role man in the pick and roll and, you know, working off of somebody. So there's just, there's a lot to it. Um, it, It's, there's, I can't think, and, you know, I've been following the Knicks for probably 20 out of 20, 22, whatever out of my 32 years of existence. Like I, I can't think of another scenario where there was ever such a, like reach the highest highs and then plunge to the lowest lows situation <laughs> in like in, three and a half months. Yeah. In, in Nick's history. So it was a really bizarre situation. It was bizarre for us to cover it. And we still don't really know the answers. I feel like, but he still said he's committed to the team. Leon Rose has still said they're committed to him. But I, I kind of feel like that's just talk at this point. I feel like they are going to potentially look to move on. But I, I don't necessarily know that he's like broken per se. I think things just kind of have officially broken down with the Knicks more so than anything. Uh, is second year Tibbs a thing? Um, it was like something. is that it? Is that it? Like is this is this just like the poison of a second year of Tom Thibodeau? No. Is there anything there? No. Tibbs, if anything, empowered him too much. Like that was the biggest thing. Tibbs needed to need to step in and get on his case more. And instead it was kind of like there was a certain, certain code of conduct that existed for everybody else. And then a certain code of conduct that existed for Julius Randall and Randall was not held to having to play good defense and do all the things that all the young players had to do to hold their playing time. Like Obi Toppin who struggled to get like 15 minutes a game. Uh, He was allowed to basically just go do whatever the heck he wanted on the court. And he would have guaranteed 35 minutes waiting for him. So I actually, 
I guess you could say that that's like the Tibbs effect in, in some ways, but but it's not it, the way that we would typically describe it. That he's like worn a guy yeah, out. It's the no, reverse. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they ground each other's gears too much. It's almost like Tibbs liked him too much and empowered him too much and and created strife that way. You sure. know, it, it, where it was just like Tibbs was was too lenient on him. I don't know, Gavin. Did you have any sort of a different read on that situation? No, I, no, I think that's exactly right, and I think it was it was ultimately very counterproductive because I, as much as the Knicks team is just filled with seemingly very good dudes and, and very good teammates and guys who I think by and large like loved Julius a year ago, and, and especially the younger guys on the team probably saw him as like a mentor and a leader. Um, I, I can't imagine. I think that had to create some resentment, and when you saw things get really bad by the end of the year, like that aforementioned Bulls game, I would think just connecting the dots here part of that was that a lot of resentment had built up to him and the fact that Julius could spend like an hour screaming at a ref and like not getting back on defense but Obi Toppin like missed one three-pointer in the wrong way and he was immediately pulled out of the game like I, I can't imagine if, if you're Obi like at some point like there was probably resentment going both ways there which is weird to say because Obi Toppin seems like the happiest go luckiest like nicest dude in the world but I think some of that was going on I will say if you want to if you want to just say something positive about Julius Randle, just in case any important decision makers. Yeah, let's close with something nice. Yeah. And in case any of the, in case of the any important decision makers in Portland are listening, which I doubt, but you never know. Oh, I bet Um, some low level decision makers listen every once in a while. So let's, let's see if, if, there there you go. If any of y'all made it to 35 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's where the good stuff comes in. Um, Yeah. He had, he had the seven game stretch. Uh, I think it was, Alex, it was right before the All-Star break, right now, mm-hmm. right after. Yeah. Where he it was right before something... the trade deadline where he like right. saved his job, essentially. There you go. Where he averaged something like about 30 points, like 10, 11 rebounds, seven, eight, nine assists per game. And every night was just killing it. And, and the key to that was he was bringing the ball up the court a lot. And out of nowhere, he went from paying, playing at like the most stagnant pace in the world and, and looking like, like a turtle, like mid stroke to really like speeding it up and, and being hyper aggressive and, and throwing his body around. It was like someone like just took him aside and shook him and said, Hey, you're like six, seven, two sixty with inhuman coordination at that size. Take advantage of it. You don't have to shoot pull up twos or pull up threes every time around. And he started just bulldozing people in turn. He got a little bit of confidence. The jumper came back to some extent. And he's still, he's what, he's 27 years old. Like there's still, there's so much ability in there. There's a great basketball player in there. When he rolled to the basket this year, even on a Knicks offense that didn't have a lot of other threats, like he would just create these great openings and he could really swing the ball around on the short roll because he is like, even when he doesn't have his pre-assigned reads, he's still a talented passer, but he just has to get the ball on the run. He has to play with pace. And the thing about Damian Lillard, and to your point, this would take maybe some, sacrifices from Lillard and some really big sacrifices from Randall those two running a pick and roll with a guy like Dame who I mean after Steph Curry and along with Trey Young like more than anyone else in the league you have to guard 35 to basically 40 feet from the basket Julius rolling into huge amounts of space with his size and speed and passing ability is scary like if he buys into that role that that's one of the more dynamic offensive duos in basketball and i don't think i don't think it's an exaggeration to say there's a reason this dude was second team all nba he's immensely talented and even in that second team all nba year i don't think he was taking advantage of the full extent of his abilities because he stopped going to the rim quite as much as he did in previous seasons you combine all the best parts of his game there's a tantalizing player in there and i think dame is about as equipped as any point guard in the league to unlock the best out of him if you want to make a case for why portland should do that and why he might end up being worth more than the seventh pick. 
can he be a good defensive player? I know that the, oh, when absolutely. they were good, mm-hmm. they it was a lot of it was that they had good center play and they kind of lost that last year. Um, d- can he be a good defender? Yes, absolutely. He was a great defender in 2021. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't even just say a good defender. Like he, he was great. He was he he was the star of the show on defense on some nights uh, with his one on one defense and stuff like that. Like he'd get a switch on to like Luca or something like that, and totally own that matchup and and play great. Uh, so I think he could definitely. I mean, he's great at keeping guys in front of him. His team defense, especially if his if his lock-in level isn't as high as it should be, um, leaves a lot to be desired sometimes, but especially like on switches and stuff, nobody can really punish him on a switch. Like he can, he can stand up a center. He can, you know, rotate with a guard. He can, he could do whatever. Like he's, his hips are very flexible. He's, he's built like a, you know, brick S house. He's huge. He's a big dude. Different S that time from the aforementioned. Yeah. Different S. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah, he's, he could definitely, he can and has been a, a not just a good, but like a great defender at times. And that, that was actually one of the biggest standout things of his 2021 as well, was seeing just how good of a defender he was that year. Oh, yeah. They were a great defensive team. I just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt like last year they were really, they're really missing how good Nerlens was that year. And, and, and definitely just a lot of Mitch Rob not being healthy. Uh, yeah. And uh, that was a big part of it. But, you know, surprisingly, the Knicks were still like, a top 10 defense this past year. Right, they're an above average defensive team because, yeah. Because they just had a good scheme and they executed it pretty well, even despite some of the guys, like Kemba Walker being a total turnstile and Julius many nights not really caring. RJ Barrett's defense falling off a bit after he took on more of an offensive role. Um, So, yeah, it, it... you know, he, he's been a part of a really good defense and it wasn't, you know, don't, don't let anybody tell you that it's all the center play because they've had, they've had some good perimeter defense and you know, you don't get a top like five defense with just good center play. You know, like the everybody. Yeah, I was mostly talking that, scheme so. stuff. Like the scheme yeah. is like, Hey, we're going to funnel you to the rim and there's going to be this octopus arm yeah. dude at the rim. But, the, but, but, but it's not all that. You know what yeah. I mean? That it, there was there was a lot of good individual defensive performances by what's Wallach, the what's by the uh, Nerlens Noel thing? Is that he doesn't have real human hands? He has some other hands. I know this is like a Nick fan thing. Yeah, yeah, that was actually that was. Uh, uh, I, I think everybody came up with their own variation. One person on my website came up with like a a little like video where it was various things that Nerlens Noel has instead of hands. But I think the most <laughs> popular one was ping pong paddles. There you um, go. <laughs> Ping pong paddles for hands or balloons for hands. Balloons, like I think, is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Blown up surgical gloves uh, for hands. <laughs> he, he's, he's very S hands, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, I think I think we've wow. We, yeah, we so I think if you made it this, in. if you're a Blazer fan, you made it this far on the podcast. It really got good for Julius Randall at the end. It's a pretty good pitch. <laughs> think about seven and eleven for Julius Randall, or maybe seven and the Dallas pick for Julius Randall. Think about it because he would be the second best player on the team. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely could be, especially behind a, an alpha like Dame Lillard. But, Mike, thanks so much for popping on, man. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us this Blazers perspective because, like I said, I think a lot of Knicks fans are, are really eyeing up that that seventh pick saying, like, man, wouldn't that be nice to get back into the top top ten where a lot of fans wish the team could have been anyway had they chosen right. to just tank like a normal team and mm-hmm. rested all their players, but not under Tibbs. Never. Yeah, I mean, no, I none of our guys them. had plantar fasciitis, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I watched was... a team aggressively tank. It wasn't particularly fun. It, oh, it's, it's not maybe fun. Maybe was the right strategic move, but it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a brutal final twenty-five games in Portland. We've we've watched a whole eighty-two game season like that. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, I not hear fun. you. 
Uh, well, but thanks anyway, for having me. It was really was a ton of fun. I was about to say, do you want to let everybody know where to find you, uh, you know, online and all that good stuff? Where to find you? Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. It's a terrible place. But listen to the podcast <laughs> at Locked On Blazers is, is with that handle, and just search Locked On Blazers. You'll find us wherever you're looking for us. You know, five days a week, free on all platforms. Never, never a dime will charge you. It's free. Just search Locked On Blazers. Tell your friends to do the same. And uh, it's the only Daily Trailblazers podcast. So get your fix in. Wow, what a world. There's so many Daily Knicks podcasts. But anyways, th- thank you so much, Mike. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll be sure to have you back on uh, if and when this trade does happen. If those low-level decision makers uh, buy what I'm selling, uh, yeah, they'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you then. But until then, be good. And, and everyone listening, be good. We will talk to you all soon on Locked on Knicks.